This program is brought to you by Israel Restoration Ministries. What are you doing Sunday nights? Come join Friendship with God radio Bible teacher Tom Cantor of the Friendship with God Fellowship Church every Sunday night at 5.30 p.m. at The Vine at 9336 Abraham Way, Santee, California. Watch and listen live around the world to Tom Cantor Sunday evening on YouTube.com by searching for Friendship with God Fellowship or by going to our homepage at friendshipwithgod.org. That's friendshipwithgod.org. Welcome to Friendship with God with our Bible teacher, Tom Cantor. Today's message and previous messages can be listened to or downloaded for free at friendshipwithgod.org. That's friendshipwithgod.org. You can also obtain free resources from Tom Cantor and view our online bookstore at friendshipwithgod.org or call us at 800-247-3051. That's 800-247-3051. Tom Cantor also has a daily devotional verse that comes out each day by email and on Facebook. To receive this small daily devotional verse that Tom Cantor puts out, you can sign up at friendshipwithgod.org. That's friendshipwithgod.org. Or find Tom Cantor on Facebook by searching for Tom Cantor and Friendship with God. Now, here's our Bible teacher, Tom Cantor. Coming now in the some of the final chapters of Daniel, let's... Uh, Let's pray. Father, again, Lord, if we didn't pray now, Lord, we'd be in danger of, of trying to discover things on our own. But Lord, we want you to show us. Show us truth now in Jesus' name. Amen. Daniel chapter 9, this chapter, Daniel chapter 9, verse 1. In the first year of Darius, the son of Ahasuerus, of the seed of the Medes, which was made king over the realm of the Chaldeans, in the first year of his reign... I, Daniel, understood by books the number of the years whereof the word of the Lord came to Jeremiah the prophet that he would accomplish 70 years in the desolations of Jerusalem. And I set my face unto the Lord God to seek by prayer and supplication with fasting, sackcloth, and ashes. And I prayed unto the Lord my God and made my confession and said, O Lord, the great and dreadful God, keep me in the covenant of mercy to them that love him, that keep his commandments. We have sinned and have committed iniquity and have done wickedly and have rebelled even by departing from thy precepts and from thy judgments. Neither have we hearkened unto thy servants the prophets which spake in thy name to our kings, our princes, and our fathers, and to all the people of the land. O Lord, righteousness belongeth unto thee, but unto us confusion of faces, as at this day, to the men of Judah, to the inhabitants of Jerusalem, and to all Israel that are near and that are far off through all the countries whither thou hast driven them. Because of their trespass, that they have trespassed against thee, O Lord, to us belongeth confusion of face, kings, to our kings, princes, fathers, because we have sinned against thee. To the Lord our God belong mercies and forgiveness, though we have rebelled against him. Neither have we obeyed the voice of the Lord our God to walk in his laws, which he set before us by his service of prophets. Yea, all Israel have transgressed thy law 
even by departing that they might not obey thy voice. Therefore the curse is poured upon us and the oath that is written in the law of Moses, the servant of God, because we have sinned against him and have confirmed his words, which he spake against us, against our judges that judged us by bringing us upon us a great evil, for under the whole heaven hath not been done as hath been done upon Jerusalem. As it is written in the law of Moses, all this evil has come upon us, yet made we not our prayer before the Lord our God, that we might turn from our iniquities and understand the truth. Therefore hath the Lord watched upon the evil and brought it upon us, for the Lord our God is righteous in all his works which he had done, for we have obeyed not his voice. Now, Lord our God, that has brought thy people forth out of the land of Egypt with a mighty hand, has gotten thee renowned as at this day. We have sinned, we have done wickedly, O Lord, according to all thy righteousness, I beseech thee, let thine anger and thy fury be turned away from thy city Jerusalem, thy holy mountain, because for our sins and for the iniquities of our fathers, Jerusalem and the people are become a reproach to all that are about us. Now, therefore, O Lord our God, hear the prayer of thy servant is supplications. Cause thy face to shine upon thy sanctuary that is desolate for the Lord's sake. O Lord my God, O my God, incline thine ear, hear, open thine eyes, and behold our desolations and the city which is called by thy name. For we do not present our supplications before thee for our righteousness, but for thy great mercies. O Lord, hear, O Lord, forgive, O Lord, hearken, and do, defer not for thine own sake, O my God, for thy city and thy people, which are called by thy name. And whilst I was speaking and praying and confessing my sin and the sin of my people Israel, and presenting my supplication before the Lord my God for the holy mountain of my God, yea, whilst I was speaking in prayer, even the man Gabriel, whom I had seen in the vision at the beginning, being caused to fly swiftly, touched me about the time of the evening oblation. And he informed me and talked with me and said, oh, Daniel, I'm now come forth to give thee skill and understanding. At the beginning of thy supplications, a commandment came forth. I am come to show thee, for thou art greatly beloved. Therefore, understand the matter and consider the vision. Seventy weeks are determined upon thy people and upon thy holy city to finish the transgression to make an end of sins and make reconciliation for iniquity and to bring in everlasting righteousness, to seal up the vision of prophecy and to anoint the most holy. Know therefore and understand that from the going forth of the commandment to restore and to build Jerusalem unto the Messiah, the prince shall be seven weeks and three score and two weeks. The street shall be built again, the wall even in troublous times. And after three score and two weeks shall Messiah be cut off, but not for himself. And the people of the prince that shall come shall destroy the city and the sanctuary, and the end thereof shall be with a flood. And unto the end of the war, desolations are determined. And he shall confirm the covenant with many for one week, and in the midst of the week he shall cause the sacrifice of the oblation to cease. And the overspreading of abominations shall he make it desolate, even until the consummation and that determined shall be poured upon the desolate. Big chapter. Now, in this previous chapter, Daniel had seen a vision. It was a vision. It was a tremendous vision. It was a vision of a ram. The ram was wild. It was a vision of a goat. The goat was wild. There was a conflict. There was a fight. 
there were pieces of horn flying up, two little horns come up, uh, one horn that gets big, and it was just a tremendous vision. And it just really wiped Daniel out because the last verse of chapter eight, chapter eight, verse 27, 827 says, and I, Daniel, fainted and was sick certain days. Afterward, I rose up and did the king's business and I was astonished at the vision, but none understood it. Daniel had this vision inside of him. Nobody understood it. The vision was like a secret. It was in a greatly troubled Daniel. And Daniel was really disturbed over the, what he saw and what he thought about the destruction of Jerusalem. His prayer became, how long, Lord? How long? How long is Israel going to be prisoners and slaves? How long is Jerusalem going to lie in this heap? And so now in chapter 9, when we come to chapter 9, the opens up where Daniel is pouring over the scriptures. He's pouring over the Bible. Specifically, he's in the book of Jeremiah. And he's studying with a passion the book of Jeremiah. And he's trying to see and understand details about the destruction of Jerusalem, when it's going to be finished. And all of a sudden, he sees that Jerusalem's going to be rebuilt. And Daniel says in verse 2, in verse 2, in the first year of his reign, I, Daniel, understood by books the number of the years whereof the word of the Lord came to Jeremiah the prophet that he would accomplish 70 years in the desolation of Jerusalem. So he's praying and he's praying, how long, how long, Lord? How long is Israel going to be in captivity? How long is Jerusalem going to lay in the state? And he's going to the Bible for his answers. And he's studying it and he's, he's in Jeremiah. He's in Jeremiah. He's in the 25th chapter of Jeremiah. He's come to verse 11, Jeremiah 25, 11, and he reads these words. This whole land shall be a desolation and an astonishment, and these nations shall serve the king of Babylon 70 years, he reads, 70 years. He reads in Jeremiah 25, verse 12, Jeremiah 25, 12, he reads, it shall come to pass that when 70 years are accomplished, that I will punish the king of Babylon and the nation, saith the Lord, for their iniquity. He reads further in Jeremiah 29, Jeremiah 29, 10, he reads, For thus saith the Lord, that after 70 years be accomplished at Babylon, I will visit you and perform my good word toward you in causing you to return to this place. Three places, three verses, Jeremiah reads to 70 years, 70 years, 70 years. And we can imagine Daniel jumping up out of his chair and saying, I see, I understand, I know the time is at hand for the Jewish people to return to Israel. Because he sees this word accomplished, accomplished, and he understands, he says, it's been accomplished what God is wanting to do. He understands from Isaiah 40, verse 2, Isaiah 40, verse 2, where God said, speak ye comfortably to Jerusalem, cry unto her that her warfare is accomplished, and that her iniquity is pardoned, for she hath received of the Lord's hand double for her sins. And so Daniel knows that the pardon is coming, the forgiveness is coming, but he knows that there can be no iniquity pardoned, there can be no warfare accomplished unless there is a confession and a repentance, a confession of sin and a repentance from sin. So with all of his might now in verse 3, in verse 3, chapter 9, verse 3, he says, I set my face unto the Lord God to seek by prayer and supplications, and fasting, and sackcloth, and ashes. He set his face to God because 
There were many urgencies in Daniel's life to turn his face away from God. There were many distractions. Things were happening to his friends. Kings were making commandments against him. There were many distractions to turn his face away from God. There were many other interests that Daniel had to turn his face away from God. But against all those urgencies, all those distractions, all those interests, Daniel pushed to set his face toward God. And that word set is very interesting in the Hebrew, it's the word natan, natan, which means to give, to give. So he has a choice. What is he going to give his face to look at? Is he gonna focus on and be engaged in the urgencies and, and the distractions and the interest that he has? So he's chosen to give his face to God as he, just like it says, turn your eyes upon Jesus, look full in his wonderful face. The things of earth, they'll grow strangely dim in the light of his glory and grace. Many things draw us away from God. Many things want to take our face away from God. It's just like the hymn puts it, my soul beyond thy guard, 10,000 foes arise. The hosts of sin are pressing hard to draw thee from the skies. David understood this. David knew how the hosts of sin were pressing hard to draw David from the skies when David wrote in Psalm 5, verse 5, Psalm 5, verse 3, Psalm 5, 3, 5, 3. My voice shalt thou hear in the morning, O Lord. In the morning will I direct my prayer unto thee and will look up. Here's, here's Daniel. He's living in Babylon. He wants to pray for a place that's very far away from him. He's living in, in, in Babylon, and he wants to pray for, verse 2, verse 2, the desolations of Jerusalem. Daniel's in Babylon. He wants to pray for, for a place that's 1,500 miles away from him. It's like us wanting to pray for, I don't know, Seattle or wherever 1,500 miles away is. Long way. And Jerusalem is destroyed. It's in ashes. And Daniel can't see the destruction because he's 1,500 miles away from it. But he wants to feel the destruction. And so Jerusalem is in ashes. And so what does he do? He undresses himself, and he dresses himself in sackcloth and ashes just so he can feel the destruction and the ashes that Jerusalem is in. You know, we live, we live, relatively speaking, in comfort. We live with the comfort of the assurance. We have a blessed assurance that Jesus is mine. We have a security of heaven. We're bound for heaven as our final destination. And we want to pray for those who are on their way to hell. We want to pray for those who are on their way to hell. And God doesn't need he doesn't need us to pray apathetically like a typewriter with our prayers. He doesn't need a, to just say words. He needs us to feel like Daniel was feeling. You know, Daniel said he was praying with fasting. Fasting, let's face it, fasting makes you miserable. I don't know about you, it does me. I've been practicing that for a long time. Not fasting, that is. Anyway, it, fasting makes us miserable, and that's what God wants. He wants that feeling of miserable, just like Paul. When Paul prayed for the lost condition of the Jewish people, it was with passion. 
in Romans 9.1, Romans 9.1. He says, I say the truth in Christ. I lie not, my conscience also bearing me witness that I have great heaviness and continual sorrow in my heart, for I can wish myself were cursed from Christ for my brethren, my kinsmen, according to the flesh, who are Israelites. So Daniel has made himself feel miserable because Jerusalem is in a miserable state. He gets down to the business of praying. He's really going to business now in verse 4. In verse 4, when he says, I prayed unto the Lord my God and made my confession and said, O Lord God, O Lord, the great and dreadful God, keeping covenant mercy. He says, I prayed unto the Lord my God and made my confession. This is the first step in prayer. That's the first step in prayer. Self-check. He's done a self-check, and he's making sure there's nothing between his soul and the Savior. It's a very interesting hymn. Very interesting hymn. I'm going to read the words of that hymn, Nothing Between My Soul and the Savior. And the hymn states things that could come in between our soul and the Savior. It's in that hymn there. And and I, I want you just to, as I read it now, just count up how many things are stated in this hymn that could come between our soul and the Savior. Okay, you ready? So I, I'm going to read it. So you count them up. You tell me how many you get. Nothing between my soul and the Savior, not of this world's delusive dream. I have renounced all sinful pleasure. Jesus is mine. There's nothing between. Nothing between like worldly pleasure. Habits of life, though harmless they seem, must not my heart from him e'er sever. He's my all. There's nothing between. Nothing between like pride or station, self-life or friends shall not intervene. May cost me much tribulation. I am resolved. There's nothing between. Nothing between my soul and the Savior, so that his blessed face may be seen. Nothing preventing the least of his favor. Keep the way clear. Let nothing between. How many things you count up? You got nine? You got eight? (laughs) Well, you probably saw more than I did. Wow. (laughs) Okay, I got eight. This world's delusive dream. Sinful pleasure. Worldly pleasure. Habits of life. Pride or station, another one. Self-life or friends. Those are the things... So Daniel does a self-check. He checks over those eight items or ten or however many you got there. And that could come in. And when he's checked it all over, he says, okay, I've got it now. I know what I'm going to confess. I know what I'm going to turn from. So now there's nothing between my soul and the Savior so that his blessed face may be seen. Nothing preventing the least of his favor. And I want some favor from him when it comes to Jerusalem and the people. So what he does in verse 4, he says, I prayed unto the Lord my God, and I made my confession. After he's done this self-check. In all of this prayer, he's banking on the promise of God. He's not just hoping God will hear him. He's banking on the promise of God because God's a promise keeper, and the Bible is full of promises from God to be banked on. There's a promise for eternal life. 
in the Bible. 1 John 5.11 is a promise for eternal life. This is the record that God has given to us eternal life, and this life is in his Son. He that hath a Son hath life, and he that hath not the Son of God hath not life. Two weeks ago, my little granddaughter, Kate, was baptized, and when she got up before her baptism, this is the verse she quoted. There's no hope to get to heaven without that promise, but this is a situation where we can know that we're going to heaven based on banking on that promise. There's a promise for forgiveness of sins. There's a promise for forgiveness of sins. We don't have to live under the continual burden of, oh, I've been so terrible and I can't be forgiven, I can't be forgiven, because God says in his promise in 1 John 1, 9, 1 John 1, 9, if we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Daniel is confessing his sin. There's a promise for companionship. We don't have to go through life saying, I'm lonely, I'm so lonely, I'm all alone. No, there's a promise in Hebrews 13.5. Hebrews 13.5. He has said, I will never leave thee nor forsake thee so that we would boldly say, the Lord is my helper. I will not fear what man can do unto me. So he's banking on the promises and the promises that he's banking on are in verse four, in verse four, where Daniel says, you, God, are keeping covenant and mercy. Covenant and mercy. He's not, if we don't fail to do our part of the bargain, God will not fail to do his part of the bargain. If we confess our sins, he will forgive. If we have the son, we will have eternal life. If we, if we don't forsake him, he will not forsake us. So he's taking care of all of this, and he turns now, he's gone from verse 4, confess my sin, and now he transitions, he pivots in verse 5 when he says, we have sinned and have committed iniquity and done wickedly, rebelled, departing from thy precepts and from thy judgments. So he's already confessed his own personal sins, but now he confesses the sin of his people. Why does he do that? Why, why, why does Daniel confess sins that he hasn't done necessarily? This shows the heart of Daniel. Daniel is not pointing the finger and saying, they did it, not me. Oh, that was like, I told you that. When uh, Scott and I were at the CEF booth in Del Mar, and two little kids came and sat in front of me, a brother and a sister, little tiny kids. And I looked at both of them and I said, I said to the, the little boy who was younger than the little girl, I looked at the little girl and I said, have you ever told a lie? And she said, he has. <laughs> Daniel's not doing that. He's not pointing his finger and saying, they did all this, please forgive them. He's saying, we have sinned. That's what an intercessor looks like. He identifies with the people he's trying to see saved, just like the Lord Jesus in Hebrews 2.14. Hebrews 2.14, where it says, for as much then as the children are partakers of flesh and blood, he also himself likewise took part of the same. Hebrews 4.15, Hebrews 4.15. We have not a high priest which cannot be touched with the feeling of our infirmities, but was in all points tempted as we are without sin. When we want to make intercessory prayer, when we want to pray for somebody else, when we want to pray for a lost person, for a sinful person, it's a good thing for us to remember what it was like before we came to Christ. 
Another wonderful day studying the Bible with our Bible teacher, Tom Cantor, here on Friendship with God. Don't forget that today's message and previous messages can be listened to and downloaded for free at friendshipwithgod.org. That's friendshipwithgod.org. You can also go online to find free resources from Tom Cantor and our online bookstore at friendshipwithgod.org. You can also find Tom Cantor on Facebook, and you can also go to friendshipwithgod.org to sign up for his daily devotional. Tom Cantor is also the founder of Israel Restoration Ministries. You can visit that website at israelrestoration.org. You can write to Tom Cantor at P.O. Box 711330, Santee, California 92071. That's P.O. Box 711330, Santee, California 92071. Or email Tom Cantor at tomcantor at friendshipwithgod.org. That's tomcantor at friendshipwithgod.org. For more information about Tom Cantor and Friendship with God and Israel Restoration Ministries, call us at 800-247-3051. That's 800-247-3051. What are you doing Sunday nights? Come join Friendship with God radio Bible teacher Tom Cantor of the Friendship with God Fellowship Church every Sunday night at 5.30 p.m. at The Vine at 9336 Abraham Way, Santee, California. Watch and listen live around the world to Tom Cantor Sunday evening on YouTube.com by searching for Friendship with God Fellowship or by going to our homepage at friendshipwithgod.org. That's friendshipwithgod.org. This program is brought to you by Israel Restoration Ministries.